Well, we've had a full service already, have we not? What a beautiful day this has been, but I'm happy to teach God's word to you. And here in a couple of minutes, we'll be in Luke 21, but then our main text is Jeremiah uh, 33. So both Luke 21, but really we'll spend a lot of time in Jeremiah 33. Now, something that I thought was impossible has occurred this week. Guys, I'm actually tired of watching football. Like, I've had enough. Uh, just too much, you know? I mean, I just I got to a point after Thursday, Friday, one of my teams were playing. Then the Saturday slate. And by, you know, late Saturday evening or, or early in the evening, I just said, enough, enough. And so I'll have to abandon the Titans today and hear how they're doing. You know, I'm, I'm always for the Titans, but, man... A man can only watch so much football. And at one time in my life, I thought I would never say that, but it is, it is true and it has occurred. You know, one of the, of the things you'll notice in watching sports is body language. And there's that time in the game where the team just knows they've lost. Unfortunately for Vanderbilt, that was really early last night. I did notice that. Now, I'm not dogging Vanderbilt. I had season tickets for them for 15 years or so. So I'm for Tennessee. I'm for Vanderbilt. I'm not going to divide the church over people who don't even care about us, right? I mean, they don't care about us. I know we care about them. They don't care about us. But um, you, there's that point in the game, it came early last night for the Commodores, where they're like, oh, we're not going to win. And you can just see, you can just kind of see the body slump, kind of slump over. Sometimes heads even go down. That happens sometimes when um, we're dealing with our kids. Now that they're all out of the room, I can talk about them, right? And we tell them something we want them to do, and they know they can't talk back, but their bodies just kind of slump, and their heads drop. See, often when we're not speaking with our mouths, we're speaking with our bodies. And there's lots of ways we communicate I'm not into this, right? I, I might physically be present, but my body language so I'm, is slumping, my head is down, and I'm just not really into this. And so we've all experienced that phenomena. And you're going to see that when we get to the scripture today, uh, how Jesus addresses that in context of his story for the world. And Aubrey really framed Advent well earlier when Pastor Aubrey said, Jesus is always with us. We know that. The presence of God is always with us. But we follow this rhythm uh, in the church calendar where as we prepare for Christmas, we also acknowledge that God's people have always been waiting, waiting for the first covenant, waiting for the Messiah. And now as spirit-filled Christians, we wait for the coming of the Lord again. And so we will look at a lot of the Old Testament scriptures that have dual meaning. It's, it, you have to always continue to see that in the scripture, the multi-layers of scripture, that a lot of the Old Testament prophets talked about the first advent when Jesus came to Bethlehem, the incarnation and the kingdom of God was, it, it began at that time. But we're also looking for him to come again. And that's something that God's people have always had in common. We've always looked for the Lord to come and to assert himself and to show the world who he is as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. So Jesus, we'll start in Luke chapter 21 and starting with verse 25 through 28. And 
These are kind of heavy scriptures. This isn't actually like, oh, what a nice little scripture for Thanksgiving holidays. This is attention-grabbing words from our Savior. And he was predicting the fall of the temple, and he was predicting Jerusalem being attacked. And he said this, Then there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And there will, will, there will be anguish on the earth among nations, bewildered by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and expectations of the things that are coming on the world because the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is near. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is the word of the Lord, but taken just isolated and by itself, it feels kind of heavy, doesn't it? It's like happy Thanksgiving, right? And Merry Christmas. Here, here are these really intense words from Jesus. But the intensity of these words, I want you to see hope today because that's what we're talking about today. Today, our theme is hope. Jesus predicted the destruction of the temple, and that occurred in the year A.D. 70, not long after he ascended to heaven. Jesus predicted the fall of Jerusalem. That happened that same year also. Jerusalem was surrounded by the Syrian army, and, or, or the Greeks is, is, is a better way to put that. And, and they were surrounded there, and, and it was the total destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And Jesus predicted that on this earth, this earth would be full of war and conflict. And so when I read that scripture, I think about those things that occur which we didn't see coming. We didn't see coming in the 20th century on the nu- nuclear weapon, the atomic bomb. How could we even imagine something so destructive? We, we didn't see coming the pandemic of 1918 and the pandemic of 2020. These are things that have happened in such ways we never could have imagined them to occur. And even today in Ukraine, there is sophisticated warfare that's happening that will change the way conflict occurs. Now, I'm not one to try to connect current day newspaper happenings with very obscure, apocalyptic scripture. I guess I need to pronounce it to explain it, don't I? That's not what God's called me to do, and I have concerns about people who emphasize that too much. But I will say this, is that from the time Jesus said these words, many of these things occurred in A.D. 70, almost 2,000 years ago. But all of these things have occurred in every generation, In every generation, there's been war. In every generation, there have been unimaginable developments that cause fear to come over us. And it doesn't take long. I don't want you to do this, but it doesn't take long to Google something and find out a prediction about the end of the world. Because we're always predicting the end of the world. And we have to be careful about that because then this heaviness comes over us. It it gets quite depressing. It is hopeless sometimes. 
because we feel like, well, why do we exist and how are we going to see, how are we going to see humanity saved? And this heaviness comes over us. And it's like the athletes who their shoulders slump and their heads drop because they think they've lost the game. Did you see the hope in that scripture? Look at verse 28 again, if we're able to put that up. But when Jesus said this, but when you see these things begin to take place, we've seen the destruction of Jerusalem and we've seen it rebuilt in an amazing occurrence in these last 70 years. Amazing what has happened in Jerusalem. And we'll maybe touch on some of that as we talk. But he says, when, when you see these things take place, and so we know the temple has been destroyed, the temple doesn't exist. Jerusalem's been destroyed. And then nations have been fighting, people have been fighting for centuries now, even a couple of thousand years. This is what Jesus said, lift up your heads because your redemption is near. Let the heaviness and the darkness of the world lift your heads higher because there is a different plan and there is a new hope and Jesus has a plan to assert his rule and reign here on the earth. That's why Advent is not some safe, cute little time just for us to give a nod to Jesus during Christmas. That's not what Advent is. Advent is an anointed, powerful declaration that we are people of hope who are looking for a better day. We are not people who are finding our hope in this life because this life this life has many good things. We're, we're image bearers of God. We're reflecting God. And so there's so much goodness that's happening. I felt the goodness of God in this service as I just stood on this front row. And uh, they didn't schedule me for, for handing out communion. So I'm kind of on the C team for communion now. If you know I'm giving communion now like, like no one else is giving it. So I'm, I'm there as the D team communion person. Um, I'm watching children and senior adults and couples and singles and every description you can imagine here in these couple of hundred people who are here today. Getting a taste of the powers of heaven as they connect with the presence of God through the sacraments. And I'm seeing two families. Two families, three sisters, a mom and a daughter climb into water and allow themselves to be taken into water and back up again to signify physically what God has done spiritually. And there's goodness in this world. And so we have to keep lifting up our heads. We can't get caught up in the old story of disease and war and conflict and corruption. This is a tired old story that will continue to repeat itself as long as Satan has a limited authority on this earth. And so that story comes at us over and over and over again. And it sells commercials. And it sells Christian literature. And it it piques our curiosity when we're bored with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus said, these things will occur. Lift up your head because I'm coming back again. Lift up your head because your redemption is near. And the redemption that takes place in us as individuals is a proclamation. It's a first fruit of the redemption that happens for the whole world, for all who respond to Jesus. That is the hope we have.
We lift our heads as a people of God because we have hope. We lift our heads as a people of God because we have peace. We lift our head, heads as a people of God because we have joy and we have love. These things are not far from us. Today, we're going to receive strength from the Lord. So now let's go to Jeremiah 33 because we're going to go to some really old Old Jeremiah predicted Jesus would come. 700 years before Jesus even came to the earth, Jeremiah predicted Jesus would come. And then now this holds true, not just for his first coming, but for his second coming that here in 2022, you and I anticipate. We're only going to read verse 12 and 13. And this is from, this is what the Lord of Army says. In this desolate place, I want you to remember that term, desolate place. Without people or animals. And in all its cities, there, were, there will once more be a grazing land where shepherds may rest flocks. The flocks will again pass under the hands of the one who counts them in the cities of the hill country. The cities of the Judean foothills, the cities of the Negev the land of Benjamin, the areas around Jerusalem and in Judah's cities, says the Lord. Now, as I teach today, we're going to look at verse 14 through 16 also. But here is, here is the baseline here. This specific land that we read about in the Bible, the Negev, the area of Benjamin, the Judean foothills, was a place that had become deserted, was no longer farmed. It was, it's a desert. It was a desert. And so the Lord says, in these places, in these places, there's going to be life again. Let's just put verse 12 back up one more time just to give people more context on that. This is what the Lord of Armies says, in these desolate places, without people or animals, and in all its cities, will once more be a grazing land where shepherds may rest flocks. So this is the prophetic word of what would happen in the land we now call Israel. But the scripture always has multiple meanings, or often has multiple meanings. And so I want us, there is a physical prophetic thing that has come to pass, but there's also, and I'm going to emphasize today, the spiritual prophetic thing that has come to pass. Now, something interesting, if you ever are bored, you have insomnia, you can look this stuff up. The reforcization of Israel that has happened uh, in the last 50 years. And it's been accelerated in about 20 years. So before the Jews resettled in current day Israel, uh, the place had become a wasteland. It had been through crusades. It had been under many different armies. And so uh, there had been no cultivation of the land. Uh, the land had been what we call deforested, which is when the land is not managed. Uh, what was once areas that were forest had become desert lands again. Guys, this has been reversed in our lifetime. It's one of the great ecological miracles that has happened. And it's a great answer to spiritual truth. All over the land of Israel today, um, forests have, have uh, flourished once again. And there's a movement to continue to plant trees in Israel. And it's a physical sign of what God's doing in the spiritual realm. But I think about desolate places today. That, that, that is, verse 12 and 13 is talking about something specific that we're seeing God move today or we're seeing a movement uh, through, through um, 
through ecological practices to bring back the forest and the land. But there's something more important, and that is the desolation in people. Because people are God's greatest creation. And we're, we're greater than the angels. We're made in the image of God. And the spiritual desolation that is happening. And I want to talk about our country for a second. There is a murderous spirit in our country right now. And the only answer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Colorado Springs, the University of Idaho, the University of Virginia, the Walmart at Chesapeake, Virginia. This is just the stuff that I could remember in the last few days of the news cycle. So this is a problem of people's hearts. People not understanding the Ten Commandments where the Lord said, you must not kill. That's a violation of the basic principles that God has given humanity. And then beyond that, the answer is spiritual. The answer is spiritual. That's what I want to declare to you today. Where is our hope? Our hope is in spiritual renewal. Our hope is understanding Jesus as a prince of peace, bringing his presence and life to this world. It's the answer to all of the complexities around the spirit of violence. And I believe that we should pray. And we should pray for our country. And we should pray for, for solutions from the spiritual realm. What is our hope? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am. Jesus is our hope. And when Jesus is proclaimed in our churches and through our families and through groups of single friends and on college campuses, when Jesus is proclaimed, the transformation of the heart, the changing of the heart pushes back against the murderous spirit and the violent that's starting to characterize our generation. There is something called the renewing of the mind. And I don't want to belittle mental illness and the role that it plays. But I know this is that part, part of the whole gospel is the renewing of the mind through scripture and through the work of Jesus Christ. Guys, that's why I thank you for being at church today. I thank you for watching online. I know we have shut-ins who, who are watching online. I, actually, I didn't mean to use that term shut-in. That just sounds like such a derogatory term. We have people who aren't able to get out of their homes who are watching online. We have family members in other parts of the country. People who are working right now may watch this later in the week. It's important that you do that because we as God's people, the gathering of God's people, um, the building of the church, the building of the kingdom, this is the answer to push back against this murderous spirit one life at a time. What we do in children's ministry and youth ministry and with young adults and as we develop our young professionals, these things will make a difference and they, the difference and they will save lives in our lifetime. They will make a difference because the transformational power of Jesus Christ changes the heart and changes the mind. And so we have hope today. Here's our first hope, hope in the promise. 
And now we'll continue our journey through Jeremiah 33. Verse 14, I, want, I, want, I hope this causes you to lift your head today. Lift your head. Lift your head. Don't, your head's not going to be down today. You're not going to be slumped over. You're going to look up and you're going to look higher because you're going to look to the Lord. Jeremiah 33, 14, talking about, about what the Lord is going to do to desolate places. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will fulfill the good promise that I have spoken concerning the house of Israel and the house of Judah. How many know that God keeps his promises? And even when they are delayed, and even when we see the outcome on a certain day, a certain week, even a certain year, the outcome is not going the way we expected, and and it could cause us to feel hopeless. I mean, Jesus said, when you begin to see the destruction of the temple, when you begin to see uh, things in the heavenlies that you couldn't imagine, when you begin to see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, lift up your head because your redemption is near. He is going to fulfill his promise to the world. God is in the business of changing lives, of changing cultures, of redeeming whole continents for the purposes of the gospel. Jesus loves all people. Jesus loves all people groups because he created them after all, right? It was his imagination that he created. He created all ethnic groups, all people groups. It was his creativity that put us on different parts of this planet. And we have different interests. We like different types of music and like different types of foods. And some are acclimated to colder weather. And some are acclimated to the warmer weathers. And some live on the equator. And they just get to cruise through every season at 70 degrees. God created and put people at different places and he made us different, but we have one, one soul within each person, a soul that longs for connection with our creator. And this is the promise he's going to do and he's going to uh, uh, move and fulfill his good promise to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And that blesses the entire world. Our psalm for the day is Psalm 25. And I love this psalm because I want you to see as we read it, God's work in your life. You're going to see God's work in your life as we celebrated with with all the different, Lynn and Nadia and the different ones who were baptized today and, and the ones who will be baptized at 1045 service. This psalm speaks to what God has done. Make your ways known to me, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. I wait for you all day long. Remember, Lord, your compassion and your faithful love, for they have existed, and we'll say here for a second, from antiquity. I thought, well, that's a cool word in the CSB. And so I had to look all the different translations. You know what a lot of the other translations say? As of old. So antiquity it was just a cool way that the, this committee uh, translated this word old. You, you've existed from old. Do not remember the sins of my youth. How many say amen to that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Don't remember the sins of my youth are my acts of rebellion in keeping with your faithful love. Remember me because of your goodness, Lord. The Lord is good and upright. Therefore, look at this. This is the work of the Lord. He shows sinners the way. Isn't that good? God's grace and what he does for us. He leads the humble to what is right and teaches them his way. All the Lord's ways show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. Lord, 
for the sake of your name, forgive my iniquity, for it is immense. Who is the person who fears the Lord? He, the Lord, will show him the way he should choose. He will live a good life and his descendants will inherit the land. The secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he reveals his covenant to them. Hey, this is God who keeps his promise. Don't take for granted that you know who Jesus is. Don't take for granted that you're part of the church. Don't take for granted that you've been baptized in water. Don't take for granted that you've been able to go to the table of the Lord. Don't take for granted that you're in Christian community because the Lord has made his covenant known to you. This is God who keeps his promises. He keeps his promise and our hope is in his promise. Our hope is in the promise that Jesus is, has a plan for the world. And the reason I know Jesus has a plan for the world is because he had a plan for me. And what he did for me, I want him to do for others. That's why our church exists, to know his love and to share his love. We, we, we can't share what we don't know, right? So it's important that we know his love, but we can't just stop there. We exist to know his love and to share his love. Because he has done for us what he wants to do for the rest of the world. We have a story to share. Here's a second observation from Jeremiah 33. There's hope in Messiah. Hope in Messiah. And that Messiah is revealed as Jesus. There is no other Messiah. There is one Messiah. His name is Jesus. That's why we make a big deal out of Jesus. Because if we don't make a big deal out of Jesus, we're wasting our time. You might as well have slept in this morning if we're not making a big deal about Jesus. We're not here to perpetuate a religion. We're not here to promote an earthly cause. We're here because of the centrality of the life of Jesus, his ways, his his choice to voluntarily die on the cross, and his resurrection is the pinnacle of all earthly time, and, and it's the pinnacle of God's plan. Jeremiah was speaking about this hundreds of years, six to 700 years before Jesus came to this earth. He says, in those days, verse 15, and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout up for David. And he will administer justice and righteousness in the land. This is the expectation of the Messiah. He said, I'm going to raise up a righteous branch where other branches have been corrupted. Other branches have, have been self-serving. The, the story of the world is when an earthly king gets power, they usually are corrupted by that power, but not with our Jesus. There's a righteous branch that's coming up from the world. There's a righteous branch. And as you see there, put that back up just for a second to sprout up for David. So we know it's really important to the Jews that Jesus came from the line of David. What's interesting is the line of David, from my understanding, is not through Mary. It's through Joseph, his adopted father. That's why in two of the Gospels that they, 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 they um, told Joseph, Joseph's lineage. And, and I thought I would tell you that today because obedience, obedience creates the work of the Lord in this, in this world. If Joseph had disobeyed what the angel Gabriel had told him, 
If Joseph had just abandoned Mary and he would have got social adulation for just being nice to Mary, but instead he followed and obeyed God. And because of that, that's the sign that Jesus is from the line of David. We have a hope in the Messiah today. Here's the third thing, third point. Hope in the reign of God. Hope in the reign of God. What's going to happen when Jesus comes again? And we see his coming, his coming through his people right now, through the church. And so we see that that's a, that's a sense of the first fruits that we have of when we, when we act in the character of Jesus. We are the body of Christ to this earth. But Jesus himself will physically and visibly return to this earth. And Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 16 says it this way. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is what she will be named. The Lord, Yahweh. You see that capitalization of the word Lord. Jehovah, Yahweh is our righteousness. That's going to be the name of the city of Jerusalem. The nickname, so to speak. Now, what's happening here? We know that we've been grafted in. We've been grafted in because of Jesus, those of us who are Gentiles. I'm assuming that most of us are Gentiles here. I hope there's some Jewish people here. But, you know, statistically, I'll say we as Gentiles here in Tennessee, we've been grafted in to God's plan for his special people. And so we see this, that he is redeeming the world through the Jewish people, through us. He's doing something great through us. What we do... Guys, to build the kingdom of God here is not just us being nice people. It's not just us being church-going people. It is participating in God's plan. Every, every person who is baptized, every person who hears the word of God, every person who is prayed for, we, we, we include them into the story and the kingdom of God. And that is our hope for the world. I have great hope for the future. I've never been as optimistic about the days ahead of me for my life and for this church and for our country. And I'll tell you why. is because I have a, I'm maturing in the Lord and I'm not there yet, but I'm having more of a focus on heaven than ever before. I want to tell you this. When you begin to focus on heaven, you begin to focus on the plan of God, you will see that there are exciting days ahead of you. Listen, I, I don't wish anything negative upon any of us. I, I want us to have civil peace. I want us to have economic prosperity. I want us to avoid warfare so we're not sending our sons and daughters to other countries to die. I want us, all that is important to me, and that's all important. But I know this is that even when the unexpected has happened and it will happen again, we won't, we won't put our heads down and shrug our shoulders in defeat. We will lift up our heads because we know we're closer to that which is better. We're closer to that which is ideal. We're closer to a world who says we need the rule and the reign of Jesus because we can't figure it out. You you know, we can't figure out how to make the world better. We keep messing things up. We take our technology and we we, we create weapons to destroy each other. We take our scientific breakthroughs and and we do things that that are inhumane with them. We we take our educational uh, breakthroughs and then we use those to manipulate and, and have agendas. These are repeating cycles we have. Lift up your heads, people of God. 
Lift up your eyes, people of God. There is a righteous branch from the, from the line of David and God has promised Messiah is coming to rule and reign the earth, rule and reign the world. He came obscurely in Bethlehem. He lived a life of obscurity for 30 years. For three years, he taught and he performed miracles in, in, uh, in Judea and in and, and the areas around Jerusalem. And then he died on the cross and he rose again. And he said this, he said the same way that I ascended into heaven is the same way I'm coming back for my people with power, with authority to be known, to be seen, to, to, to raise up a, a church that is spotless, that is blameless, that is focused, that knows who their God is. That's the story that we're part of today. And I want you to be encouraged with hope. This Advent season, we're not going to just talk about hope one week, next week we'll talk about peace and then joy and love. We are believing for an impartation of hope. I mean, if you were hopeless when you came today, I'm believing God is going to infuse hope by the songs we sing today, by the sacraments we participated in, and by this message today. Hey, if you're able to, let's stand together. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive in us. And Lord, I just pray for the stirring of hope. Lord, thank you for the stirring of hope. Lord, in this season where things are physically darker, Lord, it's fun. Christmas is fun. It's important. It's, it's, it's neat, the lights and the ways we cope with uh, greater darkness. But Lord, I just pray, oh Lord, that, that, that there would be eternal hope that would just begin to stir in your people. Eternal hope that would begin to raise up in your people. Lord, I pray for those who are hopeless today. God, I pray, God, for light in the dark place in the name of Jesus. I pray for light to shine on, on you. I pray for those who are, you feel financially hopeless. I want you to hear this today. You are not hopeless because God is your provider. You may have some tough days ahead of you, some tough weeks, maybe even a tough year ahead of you. You're gonna get through. You're not without hope. God sees the end. You're going to get out of this season. You're going to get out of this valley. You're going to, he, he's going to provide for you. You will not be abandoned. You will not be left out. You will not be overlooked. Lift up your head. Do you have a God who cares about you? Lift up your head. Do you have a God who's going to come through for you? Thank you, Lord, that you're a promoter. Thank you, Lord, that you promote us. Even when the Lord may, may send us to a different company, the Lord may send us to a new pathway, a new career. The Lord may send us to something that was unexpected and it may feel like a step back, but I want to say hope today. It's not a step back because the Lord sees multiple steps ahead of you. The Lord is stepping things up for you. God is a promoter and he is promoting the goodness of God. He's promoting the greatness of his name within you. He's expanding your heart. He's expanding your character. I want you to be, be encouraged by hope today is that the Lord cares for those things. How many, I want you to hear this today, that the Lord loves your children, your adult children, the children in your home more than you love them. I want you to have hope today in that, that the Lord loves your kids more than you love them. So we can have hope that whatever phase they're going through, whatever challenges they have, that the Lord is watching over that. I want to encourage you with this little word of wisdom. I just read something this week and it talked about how, how children never learn to walk if they don't fall. 
I know that, I know, I've known that all my life. I've seen that. I've raised three kids. I've seen that my whole life. But I thought, thank you, Lord, that when we see our kids fall, it doesn't mean they're going to stay down. It doesn't mean that they're going to stay in the, in, on the ground forever. They're going to get back up, and they're going to get back up again. And the reason that they're falling today, but the Lord's teaching them to walk. He's teaching them to walk, and they're not just going to walk. They're going to run for him. And so I want you to be encouraged with that. this little word of wisdom I came across in my personal devotion this week, that it's okay. Trust the Lord when you see your kids fall, that they're going to they're gonna stand up again. When you see your friends fall, they're going to stand up again. So be filled with hope today. And we thank you for that.